welcoming the stranger, always unabashedly, consistently welcome the stranger. Uh, for me as a person following Jesus, I, I find a lot of my instruction from the New and Old Testament and the scriptures are just saturated with this message all throughout it. One of the things that has guided me the most is this concept that when you are entertaining strangers, you are oftentimes entertaining angels. When I think of this picture of the kingdom of God, I think what a small fraction I know if I only open my life to people that are like me. When I look mm-hmm. at the life of Christ, he was not spending time with people like him. Welcome to Everything is Spiritual, a podcast from Soul Care Urban Retreat Center. We're talking with local folks, faith leaders, creatives, thinkers, and community advocates, getting personal about their faith and spirituality and how it shows up in their daily life and work. I'm Kelly Skinner, your host, and I'm sharing these heart-centered conversations to invite you to become more aware that everything is spiritual and to deeply connect with what is most true and alive in your own everyday life. Hello, Seekers. So over the pandemic, I was thinking a lot about hospitality and what it means to connect with my neighbor. And I read a great book that we actually have in the Soul Care Library. It's called Turquoise Table by Kristen Schnell about creating a very distinctive piece of outdoor furniture and using it as a simple but powerful way to get to know your neighbors and build community. And so like I always do, I did some searching to see if I could find something like that here in East Central Illinois. And a simple Google search pulled up a few hits in Danville and Champaign-Urbana, Springfield, and a few of the smaller rural towns. And one of them looked really interesting. And I ended up reaching out to Reverend Melissa Keeble, who has a table in the front yard of her Champaign home, to find out more. I really enjoyed talking with Melissa about the spirituality of hospitality and how it shows up in different ways through her work as a chaplain at the Carl Foundation Hospital and also in the evolving nature of the turquoise table in her front yard. She cares so deeply about community, but also struggles to discern what the next right step is to make CU be the very best that it can be for everyone. So I invite you now to listen to our conversation. Enjoy. All right. Well, welcome, Melissa, to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Kelly. It's great to have a chance to get to hear from you and learn more about soul care and share some stories together. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about you or talk with you and about you. Uh, You know, I've been intrigued since I just kind of came across you and some of the work that you've been doing and some of the community things just to learn a little bit more about you. So why don't we just get kind of dive in and for people who don't know you, um, just tell me a little bit about how you describe yourself. What do you care about? Where do you live? That kind of stuff. Sure. 
I'm never quite certain how to answer this because I feel like I could start by reading, you know, a resume of sorts, where I work, what I do. Um, But I truly hope that my life is about more than that. For me, it's pretty convenient um, that what I do for work professionally is essentially what I try and live and do as a parent, as a partner, as a neighbor, as a community member. My work is primarily focused at Carl Foundation Hospital in Urbana, where I work as a chaplain. And contrary to what some people think, we actually don't just show up when people are dying. We get to have some pretty (laughs) special moments um, with people along the way. Um, But I would say that my job there is to help people make meaning of what's going on for them. And in that process, to also discover what is sacred to them. And sometimes that means helping them discover what's sacred to them. And then giving them meaningful ways to connect to what is holy or what is sacred for them. I try and do that uh, in as non-judgmental, non-anxious presence as I'm as I'm able to. I'm sure some days I do it better than others. <laughs> um, but that's always been my my goal in really all aspects of life. So when you ask when people ask what I do, I feel like I can say that what I do at work is what I try and do the other hours of my life as well. Hmm. So how does that show up for you, you know, in your family, in the community, in your neighborhood? Yeah, great question. And it's interesting. I've noticed we moved here, my husband and I and our children, we moved here about 14 years ago now. And we moved from Los Angeles, which just has so fewer opportunities for meaningful points of connection than somewhere like Champaign-Urbana. We have really adored living here in lots of ways. Remind me of that in January and February. (laughs) But remind yourself when it only takes you 10 minutes to get to work too. Yes. And I'm complaining about having to drive all the way to Urbana. I had two stoplights. Yes. It puts things in perspective really quickly. Um, But the pace of life here allows me to stop and move with more intention and be present with people, whether that is the person checking me out at the grocery store, whether that's a neighbor or just a stranger on the street. The pace of life here really allows for more meaningful connections and than anywhere else I've ever lived. And so I won't lie, I feel like that work is always hardest right here in the four walls of my own home. I think that's probably true for most of us in helping professions. But that means stopping and asking somebody how they're doing and when they give you the ubiquitous fine, uh, mm-hmm. there's the space to say, really? Wow, because I'm having a really crummy day. And creating that opening for them to give you a more authentic answer to how they're doing. And I'm amazed, Kelly, that people want to talk. 
Mm-hmm. People really want to talk. And I, I've found that a lot of times people want to talk to a stranger. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're a patient at the hospital, you can tell me whatever story you want to tell me, right? And I'm not going to counter that with, well, that's not what happened last weekend when I was with you, or that's not mm-hmm. how your daughter said things are going, or, you know. And I, I hope and trust that what I'm hearing is their honest experience. But sometimes having a stranger that doesn't come with all the, <laughs> I'm going to say knowledge slash baggage mm-hmm. <laughs> of people that you are in uh, relationship with can really be a freeing experience for people. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I like how you talked about people being honest about their experience and also maybe being unbounded by other people's expectations or limits that Mm -hmm. they put on that experience. And what a gift it is to invite someone to share vulnerably their experience and to slow down enough to be able to extend that invitation. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it really is a chance for people to create their own narrative, right? What matters is how that person is experiencing whatever the event is. Mm -hmm. And so while that might be different than how another party is experiencing it, it doesn't really matter at that moment, right? At that moment, Mm -hmm. I'm with that patient listening to their experience of what's happened. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. they can give the unedited version. And I think when you can give an unedited version, you tend to discover a lot more about yourself mm-hmm. and about the emotions that you're bringing to the experience as well. So it definitely feels like a gift. And I often feel really privileged to be a part of that with people. Hmm. I want to shift gears, but not really, um, because I think this is part of who you are. But a couple years ago now, has it been, uh, you put a bright turquoise picnic table in your front yard. Um, And, you know, hearing some of what you were saying, that doesn't surprise me. But tell me about what that is and and how you learned about that and Right. Why you decided to add one to your own yard. (laughs) My husband's still wondering. Um, (laughs) But like you said, he would tell you like, yep, that just makes sense. That's (laughs) you are. I'm not going to push back on it. There was a book a few years back. I believe it's uh, Kristen Schell. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good. Glad you could confirm that because I'm good memory. Trying to remember who that was. Right. And the idea of the book is that you are just creating space for connection in your own front yard. And we happen to live on a, relatively speaking, a pretty busy corner um, Mm -hmm. here in Champaign. And there are always people walking by. I would say from 5 a.m. to about 9 p.m., there's often people walking by. And so I just thought, let's let's put up this table and see what happens. I didn't really have um, an agenda. I didn't know what it would, what would come of it. And there have just been some really sweet moments 
I've seen some elderly folks walk by and they'll just stop and take a break and sit at the bench. And I don't go out there. You know, I don't rush out there because someone is there. I also spend time out there as well. But the idea is that it's just a natural place for people to gather if that's what if that's what happens. Um, it's hard. I, I don't want to force anything. Uh, mm-hmm. We had a group of teenage girls last year who came and just there were, I don't know, six or seven of them. And I have a teenage daughter and she was just mortified that they were sitting at our table. (laughs) Mom, don't go out there. Please don't go out there. I was like, honey, I'm I'm not going to go out there. I'm just glad that they've got somewhere to just sit and and hang out. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially this, you know, this is once they were allowed to be out, be out again, right? Yeah, to be out again and be with people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So every time that I see somebody stopping, whether that's just to rest or to connect, I just smile because I think, gosh, if there is anything that we need more of, it is more opportunities to rest and to connect. So that's mm-hmm. my hope for, for the table, um, that people would use it for that. And they have. And, you know, a lot of things, I think COVID has repurposed many a thing in town, right? And the table really kind of morphed into essentially a food pantry um, oh, wow. during, during COVID. And... I was a little anxious about how that was going to go over in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, People were very receptive. We had the table out, I would say, for about a year, maybe two years before COVID came. Okay. And everybody was very welcoming um, of the idea. And then we started putting out some diapers or Mm. some non-perishables And I got a little anxious about how that was going to be received. And I'm actually, I'm embarrassed to tell you that I was anxious about that because quite frankly, the people that I was anxious about being critical of this idea wound up being the exact people who were bringing the goods. Oh, wow. (laughs) Filling the table, right? So it was a great opportunity to put myself in check and, how dare you worry about how these people are going to um, receive this when these are actually the individuals supporting it? Yeah. So what did you think was the root of that feeling of anxiousness? Yeah. Great question. I think there is a presumption that our neighborhood doesn't have a lot of people that aren't having their daily needs met. Mm-hmm. So it was bringing people through through the neighborhood that were coming, you know, and maybe they were getting off at night. Maybe it was a night shift issue, but there were people coming um, in the middle of the night, mm. have their flashlights kind of to look through things. And we could tell we our house is old and we can hear when somebody's in the front yard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and... 
we had a mixture of emotions when somebody would come, right? We were grateful that they were having some need met, whatever it was that they were taking. We were also sad if there were people that were feeling like they needed to do this in the dark of night so that nobody would know who they were. Yeah. Undercover. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that part Mm -hmm. was, that part was hard. Uh, Mm -hmm. I wanted, you know, I wanted to open the windows and say, you're welcome here. Yeah. But I didn't think that would um, (laughs) (laughs) very well received at one in the morning. Right. Um, So a lot of that was my own. uh, I think you said what was at the root of my Uh anxiety. And I think I was really underestimating. I was really Mm. underestimating people. That table (laughs) has taught me a lot. It has taught me a lot. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So there were plenty of people that came during the day. But the way that people would approach the table, because there were also people driving up donating items. Wow. Right? So you had people donating and and taking. What was really special to me, and this only happened twice, but was when I got to observe both parties being there at the same time. Hmm. And I couldn't hear the conversations, but you can tell a lot about the warmth of an interaction, right? Through people's mm-hmm. body language. Just from body language and facial yes. expressions. Absolutely. And so those two times, um, when I think of points of connection, I don't know if those two parties, if their lives would have intersected at other times, if it weren't mm-hmm. for this table, but for that brief moment, they each got to humanize one another. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful thing to witness. Mm. What an unexpected blessing of something that maybe began one way and then, like you said, was repurposed into right. something else that maybe you didn't even imagine when you began that. Gosh, it was it was nowhere on my radar. I was... Uh-huh. I was thinking of sitting out there on a hot day with neighbors having a cold drink, right? Uh-huh, yeah. I don't think any of us envisioned this thing called COVID-19. Uh, right. Probably for the best, right? Yeah. <laughs> we would have all ship a long time ago if we knew it was um, It's interesting, and I will be the first to say we are far from out of the woods here. With mm-hmm. However, once that real paralysis of kind of fear. Mm -hmm. Once that started to lift a little bit, you could see um, there haven't been bins out there for food in Mm. quite a while. So things kind of went back to business as usual. Yes, but not entirely. So it's still, if I look out there right now, I went out there this morning, there were three tomatoes sitting on the table. A lot of local gardeners will come put their produce out there yeah. and people come and pick it up, which mm-hmm. is, which is wonderful. I believe it's Edison's softball team was trying to collect copies of the paper, the newspaper that had something about their championship win. And mm-hmm. somebody set out copies on the table mm-hmm. for people. So it feels a little bit like a living and tangible message board 
to yeah to go early two thousands on you, right? Remember messing? Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just, like these platform for human exchange. Yes, there we go. That's a great way to say it. It is a place mm-hmm. for human um, human interaction, and there's no space for it to not be pleasant. Mm-hmm. It's really sacred. It's a sacred space. Where else can you have unscheduled, unorchestrated human interaction that can only be good? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, there's no room for right. snarky comments or negative interactions exactly. or, or arguing or divisiveness. Right. Um, uh-huh. if you, if you need some tomatoes, great, great. Come, come get a tomato. <laughs> you know, we're saying this and somebody's going to start like handing out hate mail or something. Right. Like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Anti-tomatoites. <laughs> that's, that's, that's I haven't been able to put my finger on it until now, but I think that's what has been part of the gift of this table is it's only about goodness. Hmm. Spaces that are only about goodness are really few and far between. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost a little bit pure. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. Um, I'm going to do our best to maintain it. You know, I've at different times um, put things out there, um, whether it was, you know, putting out cold water on a, on a really hot day. Um, Mm -hmm. I put out an ice chest of cold water and I, and I put a sign on the ice chest that said, please take the, uh, take, take a cold water, but please don't take my ice chest. Right. Uh huh. <laughs> and um, no one, nothing has been abused that's been put out there. Mm. Um, and that's, that's speaks a little bit to me of this sacred space piece. And, you know, I'm sure people driving by do not look and think, wow, this is a sacred space. Um, <laughs> but they don't need to. That's right. I it mean, it doesn't need to be labeled as such to, exactly. to exist right. and be what it is. And maybe yeah. that's what makes it sacred, the, an- yeah. the anonymity of it. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think some of our sacred spaces are almost mm-hmm. marketed and consumed as such. And so it loses some of it. So maybe because it's not labeled as a sacred space and people can just feel that it is. Right. And it gives them permission to be human. That sounds really beautiful. Yeah. I love these questions. I, I, (laughs) I have to say like, it was just something I, I did a few years ago and continue to think about it, but I haven't been able to have this kind of conversation about the, the purpose and the mission of the table. So I really, yeah. well, it. some of that is not conscious, maybe, yeah. um, you know, it just sounds like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do, were you able to have, you know, build relationships with your immediate community in any way? Yeah, there have been, especially during COVID, uh, there was a lot of walking going on. And my mom was living with us at the time. And so my mom and husband and I would sit out there often. And that's where we would eat dinner, or Mm. whatever time of day it was. 
And when you see people sitting out on their front yard eating dinner, it's hard to walk by them and not have some sort of conversation, right? (laughs) And so we definitely got to meet people. I, you know, I might be lying if I said I remember all of their names Mm -hmm. or anything along those lines, but I hope that the table has established some sense of safety for people, uh, Mm -hmm. a sense of come as you are. Uh, Mm -hmm. So really, I hope that continues. And it's interesting because I am so hesitant to put any parameters yeah. Uh, around it or any measurements, right? Like I don't want metrics. T- I don't no, want- uh, uh, we had 2.5 people right. sit by the day exactly. and I made yep. three new friends. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm um, working hard to avoid, right? Because so much about uh-huh. life is measurable. Uh, yes. Except most beautiful things in life are not incredibly measurable. So. Mm-hmm. But it just, I just was thinking back to the beginning of our conversation about giving people permission and inviting them into being real. And maybe it sounds like it's a, it's a symbol of an invitation that you can connect with somebody here. You can be real, even if it's just for a moment and how many symbols are outside in people's front, literal front yards Mm -hmm inviting people to be real. I think there's signs and symbols and and things like that, that kind of say, this is who we are inside, but it doesn't invite connection. So that is almost a symbol of this is who we are inside. And we want to get to know you on a real level, even if it's just for a moment. Yes. Yes. You know, yard signs, there's another thing that's blown up during COVID, right? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And so to have a sign that doesn't tell you who we are inside, other mm-hmm. than we want to know who you are. We want yeah. to be with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's definitely part of um, part of the purpose of the of the table. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, in general, people, I think people for a long time have been struggling with mental health issues and isolation and lack of authentic, close relationships. And I think the time of COVID has made that more intense for many people Mm -hmm. and just added burnout Mm -hmm. and added just a a lack of really being in touch because everything is so overwhelming. So Mm -hmm. both as a chaplain and as a, you know, person who takes those values and way of being into your life. um, You know, what, what kinds of words do you have to share about some of those things? You know, the pandemic has absolutely intensified everything. And I try and remember and encourage other people to remember when they are on the receiving end of somebody's anger, resentment, whatever the emotion is. And and this is true, I think, even with some of the emotions that we tend to label as positive, our emotions are all on steroids right now, mm-hmm. right? People are certainly hurting. As you mentioned earlier, 
they've always been hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hopeful that COVID has made us a lot more aware of people's pain, particularly from a mental health perspective. Um, there's Cafe Copi downtown. They've got a little piece of tape. The door handle to their bathroom is about to fall off. So there's a piece of masking tape right next to it. And it says, be gentle, please. I am fragile. (laughs) I actually took a picture of it to remind myself (laughs) of my own fragility, of all of our fragility. And I think COVID has made it okay for us to share how fragile we really all are. If life was challenging before COVID, those challenges have most definitely been exacerbated, right? Mm-hmm. But people weren't doing very well before COVID. Right. <laughs> um, and that's something I feel really fortunate to having a, a front row seat to a lot of times in my work is people's pain. People are indeed hurting. And they want to talk. They really do. I think what's hard is creating the opportunities for people to talk. Because sadly, for a lot of us, it's not until you're laying in a hospital bed with really not a lot to do other than watch daytime television. (laughs) Isn't that great? (laughs) Exactly, right? But the fact that I can go into a room as a stranger and these individuals want to share about their pain to me is really indicative of two things, how much pain people really are carrying, but B, how much people want to be known. Mm -hmm. I think people really want to be known and there's not a lot of chances for that. Um, And it's not that I'm, Going back to the table here, it's not that the turquoise table is this incredibly effective way for people to be known, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but hopefully it indicates to people that I want to know them. Mm -hmm. And just letting people know that you are interested goes a long way right now. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Mental health. Goodness, please, please, please um, seek help. And if you if you don't know where to find that help, contact Kelly, contact myself. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are people that want to walk alongside of you um, in those in those spaces. And. In my experience anyway, and and you can kind of chime in about your experience, but it's the regular, normal, everyday people that look like you and me mm-hmm. who need that outreach sometimes the most mm-hmm. because they don't view their hurting and their isolation as being extreme. And so they almost get into this disconnected, living in their heads, burnout state, and they almost minimize it. Um, 
Absolutely. I think we see there's a temptation to create this hierarchy, right, of um, of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is if you're hurting, you're hurting and that experience is real. Yep. Um, you might have a place, a very safe and warm place to lay your head tonight. That doesn't make your pain any less mm-hmm. than somebody who is struggling with um, a mental health challenge who may not have that that same bed. So I, I really encourage people to experience their pain as authentically as they can and not try and compare or contrast it to other people's, right? Mm-hmm. There are always going to be people that are in a better situation than you. And there are always going to be people that are in a harder situation than you. Mm-hmm. That doesn't change the reality of the pain you're experiencing on that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And loneliness is loneliness, no matter how privileged you might be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about hospitality and spirituality mm-hmm. um, and how they go together. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. People sometimes ask me, where do those two intersect? And my answer is, they should always intersect, right? Genuine hospitality should always reflect the presence of spirituality. Um, for me personally, I the first thing that comes to mind is the concept of welcoming the stranger. Always, unabashedly, consistently welcome the stranger. Uh, for me, as a person following Jesus, I, f- I find a lot of my instruction from the New and Old Testament, and the scriptures are just saturated with this message um, all, all throughout it. One of the things that has guided me the most is this concept that when you are entertaining strangers, you are oftentimes entertaining angels, mm-hmm. you know. That's become a part of uh, pop culture to a degree. It's also biblical. Um, (laughs) I believe it's in Hebrews where it talks about, you know, if you don't, don't neglect opening your home. Um, Mm -hmm. Don't neglect opening your home to strangers because when you do this, you're hosting angels, whether you know it or not. It's easy for me to welcome people into my home that I know and love, right? But we are humans, and I think part of human nature is that we are drawn to people that are like us, um, which means we're missing out on a whole bunch. When I think of this picture of the kingdom of God, I think what a small fraction I know if I only open my life to people that are like me. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm not intentional about hospitality or, or seeking to connect with strangers, then I'm only going to be surrounded by people that are like me. And mm-hmm. boy, when I think of 
what's one of um, the more dangerous concepts. It's this concept of homogeneity, right? Yes. That's a pretty scary concept for me. If I am only surrounded by people that are like me, I'm missing out on a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, where, where spirituality and hospitality intersect everywhere, <laughs> everywhere and always, if we're doing it well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and it also makes it more challenging, right? Having friends over for dinner that I know and love requires a lot less of me in terms of that intentionality, in terms of that digging deep than to sit with people that don't think like me, mm-hmm. that don't come from similar backgrounds. That is what I think is hospitable. And that's how I think God would describe hospitality as well. When I look mm-hmm. at the life of Christ, he was not spending time with people like him. Right. Right. That's true. Intentional living looks like is seeking people that are different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would almost um, replace the word different with unknown. Um, yes. mm-hmm. I really like yes. one of the things that I like about the turquoise table movement and and being front yard people mm-hmm. is that sometimes when we think about interacting with people that are different from us mm-hmm. we think about people who have different socioeconomic or people who look different than us or people who might be extremely different a different religion a different completely different neighborhood different country even but I, I also believe that we're missing out on just interacting with our literal neighbors. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of unknown and diversity there that we're not even touching upon. Right. And I like that unknown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my educators right now, she is often reminding me to stay curious Mm-hmm. Really, I like that word, right? Like, stay curious about the things that you don't know. Stay curious about the unknown. Um, I, I like that concept of of unknown versus versus different. Um, but most of us don't like going into unknowns, right? Nope, we don't. No, <laughs> we really like our certainty. <laughs> we do. It it takes a level of vulnerability that. Mm-hmm doesn't always feel good. It takes a lot more. Like I said, it it takes a lot more for me to sit and learn and be curious about three people that I don't know versus having three girlfriends over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those girlfriends come over. I can very predictably tell you what we're how gonna it's going to go. Well, how it's going to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> These other three. Oh, goodness. I have no idea. Um, so yeah, I really like that. It's, it's the unknown, which probably speaks a little bit more to why we don't do it as often as we'd mm-hmm. like to, mm-hmm. right? Because the emotional investment of digging into the unknown 
is a lot more. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Yeah. More. But again, circling back to what you were saying at the beginning, when you get to interact with patients who are strangers, mm-hmm. it's an invitation and opportunity to break out of the cycles and the relationships and the things that you're in a groove and and it allows them to maybe talk about their experiences and even examine it a little bit more because they're talking with a stranger. Oh my goodness. Kelly, you're making me think of like bringing in this table into every patient's room. <laughs> I haven't thought of that before, but that's essentially what I'm, yeah. I'm trying to do. Yep. Now I need to go find little miniature versions of this table to. Yeah. Or just take pictures, that's take right. a picture and hand them a picture. <laughs> Thank you for helping me make that connection. That's. Well, it's beautiful work that you're doing and it's, it's needed work and it's needed work, uh, both in the job and in, in the community and in our world right now. And I invite people to think about how they can, you know, you don't have to paint a picnic table turquoise and, and go to all that effort, but how else can you in a small way Mm -hmm. be front yard people who are inviting the unknown and genuine human connection? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. I like that. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear how people are doing that, or if people are brainstorming different ways to do that, I would love to hear about that. I would too. So uh, when we post this uh, and you're listening, please go to our Facebook uh, page in the comments or Instagram and, you know, share the stories about how you're doing these things, how you're creating invitation, how you're connecting on a very real level with people that you don't normally do that with and what's some of the fruits of those interactions please do i am excited to hear these yeah that would be really awesome it would it would and you know i think we're all encouraged by other people's stories Mm -hmm. right i mean quite frankly it was a cute book cover <laughs> the book is beautiful. It is. It's the book really is beautiful. Um, uh-huh. And we have it here at the Soul Care Library if anybody yeah. would care to could, yeah. um, borrow it. It's um I'm a sucker for pretty things and mm-hmm. it is a very um beautifully designed book. But if yeah. it wasn't for that book, I wouldn't have done that. And so I you know, as people are listening to this and we're asking you to post your ideas please do because you know what you never know what that's going to light in somebody else's life mm-hmm. inspire inspire right. by somebody else yeah, yeah. absolutely yep. absolutely mm-hmm. yeah. so as we wrap up our conversation which has mm-hmm. been just amazing oh. um I always like to just get a little bit more of a glimpse of the people that I'm talking with and I do this through these rapid fire questions and you can really just state the first thing that comes to your mind and, and share that and just um, gives us a little bit more info about you. So are you ready? Uh, I think so. <laughs> Let's, right. Yes. 
So what is something that people get wrong about you? I w- when they make assumptions about me because I am married to a pastor. If you are looking <laughs> for somebody to meet your pastor's wife's needs, that's that's not me. I'm sorry. There are lovely people out there, but I'm just a pastor married to another pastor. <laughs> oh, that's a whole nother conversation. It is. There's some fabulous female clergy in town. We could have a lot of fun with that topic sometime. Oh, I really like that. Um, what is your favorite or most meaningful spiritual practice mm-hmm. right now? I want to say meditation, but I should really say my attempts to practice meditation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm really, I'm working on it and it is hard. It is really hard, but it's also where I'm finding the most refreshment and focus mm-hmm. right now for me. So. Mm-hmm. What's hard in, you know, one quick sentence, yeah. what's hard about it? Stilling my mind. Mm. trying to help my mind be still Mm -hmm. being present. I can be present with another person pretty well. I mean, I'm engaging with that person. There's something to focus on in the present, Mm -hmm. but the idea of just appreciating my breath and my existence in the present moment, that's hard for me. Mm -hmm. Getting better. I'm working on it, but it's a challenge. No, it is a challenge. And I, I have lots of thoughts about that too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, where do you see the divine as most alive for you in this season? Yeah. Well, especially right now on a beautiful day like today. Um, but this is true for me. The other 364 days, it's nature. It's being outside. And for me, it's about being out in nature that reminds me of my smallness. Mm. Um, I don't mean that in a a degrading way, right? But it puts in perspective for me um, how small I am in this larger economy that I I move among and that God's presence and power is sustaining all of that. Mm -hmm. That's where Mm -hmm. I feel like I get to interact with the divine most intimately. What is one thing in your life that might seem ordinary, but is sacred for you? Yeah. Doesn't get to happen every morning, um, but we're doing pretty well this week, actually. And that is when my husband and I are just able to sit out back and have a cup of coffee together. Um, Mm -hmm. The sacred piece for me is that internal stillness of the morning before we start our days in different directions with different to-do lists and just sharing a hot cup of coffee. We don't actually usually even say much to each other, Um, but it's just being with one another before the day begins. That's a pretty Mm -hmm. special time for me. feels very much like a gift. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are you deeply grateful for right now? You know, I am incredibly grateful for all of the people doing the heavy lifting right now in our town. It is a hard, it is a hard time. I don't think anybody will argue with that, right? Um, The only thing I think would be harder is 
being the leader trying to navigate through all of this. So Mm -hmm. think of our mayors and our superintendents and our police chiefs and our hospital administrators, Mm -hmm. people who are having to make so many big decisions in such a tense climate, Mm -hmm. right? You and I know you can look on social media and find people screaming at all of the people I just listed. Yes. Um, But all of them are continuing to stay in the game and continuing to do the hard work. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I really appreciate that right now. I agree. Yeah. And finally, uh, what is a book that you would recommend to the audience? Just last week, I finished a book by a woman named Suleika Juhad. Um, It's called Between Two Kingdoms. Oh, my goodness. If you haven't read it, I really recommend it. It's just a memoir. Um, I say it's just a memoir. It's a memoir, but it's also so much more. It's I'll let you take a look at it for yourself. But Between Two Kingdoms, it is a good one. And if you're an audible person, um, she reads it on Audible herself, which I love it when the authors read their own. Oh, me too. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a good one. Great. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, So how can people connect with you um, if they, if they want to reach out or learn more about the work that you're doing? Absolutely. I will say that the most efficient way to find me and some representations of, of what's important to me is probably Facebook, which I guess that says I'm old. I'm not certain. Um, (laughs) um, But heads up, if you are looking for me, my last name is not Keeble on Facebook, but it's Melissa Romero, Mm -hmm. R-O-M-E-R-O. And I love the conversations that I get to have with people usually over on the messenger side of it, but please don't hesitate to reach out there. And Kelly will put my email contact um, Mm -hmm. in the footnotes as well. So I really enjoy walking through life with people. So please don't hesitate. We all need people, myself included. So For sure. Yes. Love to get to know you. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. This has just been really heartwarming conversation, Melissa. Well, I, I appreciate it. I really appreciate the connection you helped me with the table and hospital rooms. <laughs> that, that was an epiphany for me. I'm going to take that forward with me. So thank well, good. you. Good. I'm so yes. glad. So what Melissa talked about rang true. Every single one of us on the planet is wired at a primal level to want to belong to be seen and to be heard. And the more connected we are, the better we do in every single facet of our lives. But you know, it can be hard to build real relationships. I talk with people every day who say they're too busy to build relationships. They're worried that everybody already has all their friends and there's no room for someone new. They find it hard to trust or to open up. They feel like something is wrong with them. Maybe they're too extroverted or too introverted. They worry that their beliefs or their identity make them not fit in. They don't know how to make small talk. I hate small talk. And they don't even really like it. Overall, it feels like too much work to build relationships. And frankly, it sounds like being scared of the unknown. 
And so I have a big idea about creating a space right here in East Central Illinois that makes it a little easier to make real connections. Some place where each of us can come, share our experience, and fully be ourselves and fully belong. Where people care deeply and are willing to take just one step to creating opportunities for connection, dialogue, and ultimately an authentic community. Where everyone is welcome, simple as that. There could be some more tangible benefits like summaries of things taught at soul care and special tips and resources for self-care and spiritual development, opportunities to connect in person and online and ways to give back to others so that they can learn, grow, and connect too. I really can't stop thinking about what might happen and what transformation might come out of something like that. Where could it lead in six months, a year, five years? It gets me super excited. But being real, I can't do it alone, and I don't have all the answers. The idea is in the beginning stages, and there's lots of things to work on. But the vision of what could be is there. And that's why I want to extend an early invitation to you to be a part of it, especially if you want to have a part in shaping what the community could be. The idea that I have is called Kindred Souls, and if you join me as a founding member, you can contribute ideas and insights into how to make this the most supportive and welcoming group dedicated to stretching and growing, taking care of each other, and living our truest and best lives. And so in celebration of Soul Care's two-year anniversary and my 50th birthday, I'm making you a special offer to check out Kindred Souls and join as a founding member. If you join in October as a founding member, you get a special discounted price that will be locked in for the entire time you're part of the community. And what's more, we'll be welcoming and recognizing all of the founding members at our community appreciation celebration and open house, which is scheduled for Friday, October 29th, my birthday at Soul Care. So do you want to find out more? Shoot me an email at info at or a DM to Soul Care on Facebook or Instagram. Help me be a part of making kindred souls grow and flourish. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening to Everything is Spiritual and taking time to nourish your soul. Tune in each week for a little community and a lot of conversation or subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. For more resources around spiritual exploration, restoration, and transformation, be sure to sign up on our mailing list at experiencesoulcare.com. Visit our website for information on retreats, workshops, and services from our partners. Or better yet, come visit our welcoming space in Urbana to say hi and get a steaming cup of tea. Soul Care Urban Retreat Center is a warm, welcoming, and accessible place for you to refresh, renew, and restore your mind, body, heart, and soul. We set a great big table and everyone is welcome. Until next week, be well.